0: Welcome to this week's Bit for Purpose podcast. Today, I'm actually with Rodri Thomas. He's Managing Director of Read In Partnership. It's one of the leading companies we're working with on shaping the leveling up goals. And as a business, it supports individuals, families, many people across many communities to really fulfill their potential under what can be really challenging circumstances, never more so than obviously during and now after the pandemic. And hundreds of thousands of people across the UK have really benefited from accessing a reading partnership service and using it to change their lives for the better. So brilliant to talk to Roger today. And Rodri, perhaps the first thing you can tell us about is in terms of being managing director, um, tell us a little bit about in practice what that means day to day, but also, Reading Partnership, what are the services that you're providing for people?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, so, Reading Partnership started um, 21 years ago just delivering employment services. So, essentially, supporting the long term unemployed and young people get back into work. Um, Since then, we've diversified quite a lot. So we deliver um, over 50 different contracts for national and local government, everything from employment programmes, which is obviously a significant priority at the moment, uh, to supporting the government's um, efforts to tackle obesity. Um, We run the NHS uh, Diabetes Prevention Service, and then also um, other contracts such as the National Citizen Service working with um, young people. So uh, quite a big sort of contract portfolio but what brings all of them together um is a real focus on the services that we deliver helping to change people's lives for the better so everything we do is about helping people achieve their goals um which you know is a really good message when we are you know recruiting staff and also bringing uh, participants on onto our program um my job um you know obviously you know i'm in charge of uh, the overall organization but essentially it boils down to kind of three main things so one making sure we deliver really good services to the people coming on to our provision two ensuring we're a great place to work so that we retain um, our staff because we've got fantastic staff that you know do a really hard job day in, day out, but are really committed to the work that they do. And then thirdly, just making sure that we've got the right long-term strategy for the business. Um, And we are lucky that, you know, we have, uh, we're a family-owned business, so we are able to kind of make very long-term decisions um, rather than have some of the pressures that, you know, companies on the stock market might face.
0: So it sounds in a way that you've very much been driven by the same concept behind the levelling up goals which is to say well if we're actually fundamentally trying to connect people up to opportunity and have them really thrive in their lives then alongside just simply finding what we need to do to sort of make sure they're work ready and employable and know where the the opportunities are there are also these, these other things that help people develop you know whether it's the the national citizen service work with young people whether it's removing some of the barriers, I guess, on health often get in the way. So you've taken a very, very similar mindset in a way to the levelling up goals, I guess.
1: Yeah, it, you know, that's why we're really excited by the opportunity the levelling up agenda presents, because if you look at you know, our services, whether it's you know our employment services, where we may be working with somebody who you know, hasn't had a job in 10 or 15 years, you know, it's not just a case of, you know, here's a CV, let's do some interview practice. It's about how do you integrate all of the different things that are impacting on that person. So, you know, we've integrated health provision um, into our employment services. We do a lot of focus around kind of mindset um, and um, critically over the last sort of Six to nine months. There's been a sort of massive focus on digital inclusion because, essentially, with so many services um, moving online and job interviews being done um, online, we've we've got to be able to sort of package together the the range of support that people need. And I think you know we we work in some of the poorest communities um, in in the country, and there are sort of multiple aspects to how you get someone to essentially um, sort of reach their potential and also to be able to set goals for themselves which are achievable
0: and so obviously you were already working with many of those people who in a sense were furthest away from having a level playing field on opportunity how do you feel the pandemics affected your work but also that underlying challenge that you were already focused on
1: Yeah, you know, it'd be really easy to just sort of be all doom and gloom, but there's some really interesting kind of aspects of how the pandemic has shifted things. So we do a lot of work um, helping people with disabilities back into employment. And actually, some of the changes that we've seen, and I think some of them will continue around hybrid working, will actually really benefit um, people with disabilities. Mm Is being able to work from home, for instance. And we've seen that trend with, you know, sort of call centres and customer service roles, where we've been able to place more disabled people in, into those jobs than we would have been able to before the pandemic. I think where the aspects of, um, you know, the the situation is going to play out is a lot of people will have been on furlough for a long time. um, And we know that being out of work for a year um, really does impact on people um, It impacts on people's health and on the sort of structure that they have around um, their life it means that for a lot of people there'll be a lot less uh, contact with with other with other people, and that can lead to you know issues around isolation etc. So a lot of the programs that we're running now are about trying to get people um, together in terms of group based sessions, whether it's um, some of our new provision around um, helping people with sleep patterns, for instance. Um, so I think that's where we've tried to focus more because we realise that you know a lot of our customers. Um, are quite isolated, um, and, and therefore um, that aspect of um, you know what's ha- what's happened over the last eighteen months, I think, will um, have an impact in our health services, you know, specifically around mental health. Um, and I, you know, e- economically at the moment, you know, the jobs market is is rebounding. There are a lot more jobs becoming available. Where I'm concerned, you know, going back to the leveling up agenda is that a lot of those jobs will be insecure employment so short term zero hour contracts and, and we know that that kind of situation really does impact on people's ability to kind of plan for the future um, and to be able to make the right decisions you know for them and their family um, in the in the medium and long term
0: so for reading partnership what's the sort of work that you would do with people who are finding themselves in those situations sort of wanting to get life back on track but actually in practice not just not being able to do that instantly like they might want to.
1: Yes, we do a lot of work, um, you know, particularly with uh, sort of younger people, for instance, around work experience, because what we find is that if you can help people establish a routine, that really helps get sort of people's mindset in in the right place to start actively looking um, for work. Um, But essentially sort of what, you know, a lot of, of what we do comes down to is helping people set goals for themselves, Mm-hmm. Um, identifying people's transferable skills, so you know we've we've had to recruit a lot of people into our business to deal with the increase in employment. Um, so we've been tracking. You know we had to bring people in from outside the sector with you know what we believed were the right transferable skills, and we've identified, for instance, that you know travel agents are fantastic employment advisors. Mm-hmm they've got a good skill set but being able what we've sort of really focused on is being able to talk to people you know many people that will had jobs that you know they've held down for year after year Um, who've who've now found themselves unemployed and their own sector is, you know, difficult to get back into. So talking to them about the experience of some of our own staff who are doing a, you know, fantastic job and, you know, doing something they wouldn't have dreamed of doing, you know, a couple of years ago um, has actually been quite motivating for some of our participants where you can really help them see how their skills and attributes um, will be attractive to employers in in different um, settings.
0: And I guess it partly it's a confidence thing, isn't it? About realizing that you do have often many more skills than you may be sort of assessed in yourself, but then also having the confidence to understand they're really valuable to other employers. And interestingly, I suppose, Rodri, through the pandemic, other employers being much, much more open to that now and be really interesting to get says A of that, but also where are the other transitions you've seen where people have been in one kind of sector and now you're helping them to restart careers and jobs in another one?
1: Yeah, similarly, you know, obviously the care sector has always found it difficult to recruit and, you know, there's been vacancies in that sector throughout. Um, so, you know, we've been running, uh, vocational routeways to get people to think about that as, as a prospective, uh, Career option, um, and we did some work um, prior uh, to the pandemic around trying to attract more men into that sector because there's obviously quite a sort of gender divide um, in in terms of roles. Um, what we've seen more, um, I would say, through um, uh, sort of the, the economic fallout of the pandemic than we would have seen, for instance, in the sort of 2008-2009 crash, is there's a lot more people that you would sort of call. Um, sort of mid-level staff members. So a lot of people who have done sort of more administrative based jobs in offices Mm -hmm. um, and they've been much more displaced um, than than we've seen previously. Um, So we've had to adjust sort of how we work because a lot of those um, participants will have, you know, higher level career goals Um, than some of the job entry um, roles that we would traditionally kind of focus on. So we've brought in, you know, some executive coaches to be able to um, support um, those those participants. Um, And it's also meant then we've had to shift a little bit of our employer engagement focus um, to try to find jobs that are suitable. It has been pretty challenging. So being able to talk to people about, you know, we know from all of our experience that being in a job is is one of the best ways of getting another job um because employers value it so being able to go into a sector and a job role that might not be your ideal choice but using that as a launch pad to get back to where um people were prior to the surprise of the pandemic has been you know really important and what we've seen then is um you know what we would call greater kind of in work progression really of people doing that for a couple of months and then using um that time to sort of try to get back to where they were Um, you know, before um, the job losses uh, started materialising last year.
0: And presumably, as we increasingly as a country look at lifetime learning and all of the policy agenda behind that as well, this sense that very few of us are going to be doing jobs or careers that just stay in one place. All of the learning that you're getting from that is probably hugely valuable in the sense of informing how how we all approach these moments, perhaps, when we have to completely change our day-to-day work that we've been doing?
1: Yeah, exactly. I think it's one of the sort of aspects of the leveling up agenda I think is really important, is around kind of that focus on um, you know, proper careers advice. And people, you know, often think that's for young people. But if you think about you know the length of time people would be spending in work uh, through their lifetime, you know, people are going to need to go through multiple. Um, career changes, and I think that having that sort of structure um, of proper advice for people is really critical. And you know, it's we've seen people, um, you know, who've got a fantastic work history, um, you know, lose their jobs and and think that the right way to you know find a new job is to buy the local newspaper and look in the jobs pages. Mm. Well, you know, if you if that's your route, you're going to be you know a pretty long time unemployed. Um, So we're trying to, you know, make people aware of how employers now recruit for um, roles and also understand that, you know, for a lot of people, the digital exclusion element is really critical because a huge number of employers now are conducting interviews remotely. A lot of the interviews are being conducted uh, through kind of an automated system. So you you might Mm -hmm. be interviewed and just recorded. Um, and paid back by someone you know in an office two or three days later. so getting people used to that kind of uh, new way that the recruitment market is going is is really important and, and making sure that people aren't left behind in that process or otherwise you know we'll have the economic impact of long-term unemployment increasing and that probably being you know centered in, in certain communities. Um, that already have a problem, you know, with long-term unemployment. So it just exacerbates the kind of uh, disparity that we've got between communities.
0: And it sounds like for Reading Partnership itself, all of this change in, in the, the, the challenges that you're having to help people overcome to get them back into work or kick-starting a career, it sounds like for Read itself, actually that's been quite a tricky journey to navigate and you you've maybe had to reassess what skills you need in the business to be able to to do as well as you want to
1: yeah absolutely you know if you'd said to me back in February that we'd be able to completely change every single program from face-to-face delivery which is how we you know previously mm-hmm. services to remote um, and we did that in a week you know we start <laughs> as a project you know people would have said that you know we need six months um But we've, you know, managed it. There's been, you know, some aspects that have worked really well um, and, you know, we will want to embed in in future delivery, though, you know, we have been really aware that um, we've got some participants who have found it difficult to engage um, with remote working, so we brought back face-to-face um, contact when it was safe to at the earliest possibility for those um, participants. But one of the things that actually makes our business really interesting and, and you know, a fun place to work is that we have to shift with um, you know, what government wants. Um, mm-hmm. and our commissioners sort of really quickly. Um, so sort of we've, we've really focused over the last sort of five years on making the organisation agile and being able to respond quickly. So I think we were really sort of pleased in the midst of, you know, the chaos of, of those first few weeks that some of the structures that we'd set up in terms of being able to um, adjust the way the business operates actually worked as effectively as we would have
0: <laughs> Do you feel like genuinely... All of the people that read in partnership, partnership actually learned something, and and in a way, were quite surprised that they could get online so quickly. And as you say, this this potentially six month project, which which actually for many projects isn't a long time anyway, um, was done not in six months, but like literally just in several days. Um, were, were you surprised you could do that so rapidly?
1: Yeah, and one of the things you know if you'd said 18 months ago that we would have onboarded hundreds of new of new staff mm-hmm. remotely we would have just gone that's impossible there's no way we can embed the learning effectively without face to face contact and, and we have and we've got you know really good performance um you know over the last year um even you know when when lockdown was occurring from some of the new stuff that we brought on board so it has really changed the way the business operates and i think that what you know we've so we've made you know adjustments in terms of hybrid working for some staff um as you know a key part of, re, of retaining really the people that we've got um and providing um a, you know better work-life balance in, in terms of travel time in, into the office where i think that it's you know been really good is the ability to engage with a lot of staff quickly mm. um so i'd say that you know we are whilst you know we still want to get out and and see our um offices and and meet our staff that we have you know really focused on um getting input from um our um staff frontline staff um, and being able to make changes as a result of that really quickly Um,
0: do you feel that for for reading partnership actually the diversity that's joined you as it were the travel agents and all these other people who you know may well have come from very different sectors on the face of it that's actually going to be a real benefit for the organization long term just these completely fresh brains and attitudes coming into the business with everyone else
1: yeah absolutely and you know our staff will know that I, I say this um a lot on our team's calls um that you know we want we've been you know actively going out and trying to get feedback from those new staff because sometimes mm-hmm. in any organization you have assist you have systems that people just run with but when you actually take a step back you think why on earth are we doing this <laughs> yeah. So able to get that feedback and then make just part of we have a kind of uh, you said we did um, approach in, in the company which you know helps to drive a kind of continuous focus really on, on um, productivity because if we can remove that admin processes from our staff it just means we get more time to spend with our participants so it's yeah it's been some really interesting um, you know bits of feedback and, and things we've been able to take away to improve really um, the overall service that, that we offer.
0: It sounds like it's been a seat of the pants time, but actually, you know, one that's had a lot of learning, frankly, for read from. And of course, I guess all of that's going to continue because now you're going to be providing the Department for Work and Pensions Restart Scheme, providing and sort of supporting 350,000 job seekers. Tell us a little bit about what that restart scheme involves reading partnership doing, but also the impact that you're hoping to have for people and companies accessing the service?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it's, you know, really exciting um, time um, for us as a company, but, you know, we're really aware that that's because we've got a really important job to do, which is supporting the government's plan for jobs. So, you know, we've got the um, contract in the Home Counties, which is basically sort of most of the area outside of London, um, and then the northeast. So, you know, we've got that programme will be supporting people that have been unemployed. You know, some people will have never worked in in their lives. Other people will have, you know, been out of work for a year because of um, COVID issues. Um, So, you know, we've got, um, you know, a, a very important focus on how we can shape that service to deliver um the best um that we can for each participant and you know we talk um in in the company around sort of the big numbers of people that we'll be supporting but we also focus an awful lot on you know it's one person at a time Um, Mm -hmm. and you know it's really easy on employment programs our staff you know will often you know have people with you know really um big issues um in their lives that are impacting on their ability to go into work and you know some people we can work with and you know it might take a month other people take a year um to work through the other issues whether it's bringing in our partners um that provides you know housing advice for people that are homeless or you know in very temporary based accommodation to you know people with you know severe um health issues that we know we need to work through. So, you know, it's a challenging role for our advisors and, and we talk a lot to them about, you know, the, the actual most important attribute that we look for in our frontline staff is empathy, because it's about how you build a relationship with that person to identify their goals and then help them achieve it. You can't achieve it for those people. So that's where we've been you know, spending a lot of time over the last six weeks, really training our staff and making sure that we've got the right focus um, in terms of how we achieve that performance. If we have staff that you know only care about the numbers, they actually don't achieve them because they don't work and build a relationship with the participants um, in a way that actually uh, gets people to, to the outcomes that we need and, and the government's, you know, wanting us to achieve. So, you know, it's it's really important. And, you know, the other element of it um, is making sure that we've got a focus on self-employment as well, because... Mm-hmm. That is a real catalyst, you know, for how you can create, no, you know, not just get one person in a job, but actually create other opportunities for people. And I think that coming out of the pandemic, self-employment will be um, a really important area um, in terms of supporting the economic recovery, particularly in some of those communities that were, you know, already disadvantaged.
0: I I remember I used to head to see our local... Um... Job Centre Plus and 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 sort of understand what the local issues were when I was an MP. And one of the discussions I remember us having um, only a couple of years ago actually was around how many people they were able to help set up business effectively, um, and almost finding themselves out of work was actually a chance in a way for them to take a look at well, what do I want to do anyway? rather than just the status quo and what I was doing, because that was my job, my role. And actually, some of them have set up really, really great businesses that are providing them with an income. It's much more focused around what they were interested in. And as you say, maybe they'll go on to do something different ultimately and go back into a different kind of more formal role working for a business or another organization but actually certainly that experience of doing their own their own business is one that really develops them
1: yeah absolutely and you know we we see people that um you know will start off you know by themselves um and actually when you go, go back in you know a couple of years um part of our sort of process of evaluating this success you see that actually they may be employing you know two or three other people and personally i think that has to be one of the key drivers um it can't it's not just about sort of government investment in you know big large sort of multinational companies there has to be a kind of ground level focus on how do you create kind of entrepreneurship um, and provide some people with the tools to actually get get started because I think that will be a key driver really for you know leveling up in, in in an economic sense
0: and obviously I think the other reason it matters is you're very much working in many of those communities that are perhaps more disadvantaged where the reality is as I know from my time growing up in Rotherham no one I didn't know anyone who'd even run a business let alone anyone who'd started one you know I, I just didn't meet anybody like that and so I was interested for what it's worth in doing my own business but I, it kind of never got anywhere as an idea for me because it just seemed like a pipe dream and and if you like i then got off the life went to university ended up becoming a you know finance person trained as an accountant and so you know it was just there was nothing locally to help me explore that idea and i think that's just how it is for lots of communities like the one i grew up in and so being able to access that advice i think for everyone is really crucially important
1: yeah and you know the focus that i think that that's probably one of the policy areas that i think the government um you know needs to have a a never look at really is around how, how you provide that advice and and business support as well because you know, it's not just about someone coming up with a good business plan. There is advice that people need to be able to make that viable. Um, and, you know, getting people over the line, it's not easy. But, you know, I do think that that is you know, a good way of, of, of supporting um, the economic recovery and, and is probably an area where, um, you know, there, there is a need for um, stronger government for focus in the future.
0: Now, last question. And, I'll, and before I move on, I want to kind of come on to your own journey, Rodri. But for a new cohort of people who may be finding it much harder in the jobs market than they ever expected, could well be people who've had COVID and are now got long COVID and are really struggling with some long term health issues that they literally never expected to have to face. Do you think for Reading Partnership, that's almost another newer area that you'll have to steadily learn how to work with those people? And and to what extent there are more common challenges that that you'll be able to really work with them to to help make sure that they're not locked out of employment and opportunity.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We work with um, a lot of people um, currently with health and uh, disabilities, um, and having um, you know particularly variable sort of health conditions um, are you know difficult for employers but you know there's a lot of employers that are part of the government's disability confidence scheme um, and are making sort of adjustments to how they work um, and I think one of the one of the elements that I, I don't think is quite settled yet is whether or not we will see a greater focus on employers um, being able um, and, and willing to recruit people sort of working um, part time or reduced hours. Um, because I think we know that people with sort of variable health conditions require that sort of flexibility. Um, And it will be I think it's going to be interesting in the next six months to see how the labour market settles down and how you can make adjustments for people, you know, that will um, be coming out of this sort of um, sort of pandemic with um, issues you know caused by long COVID and and how we are able to fully support those people back into the labour market and it you know it may not be full time but it may be doing jobs that allow people to kind of uh, you know undertake the recovery they need um, you know whether it's for six or twelve months as as a stepping stone back into full time work.
0: I think it's really important and it's certainly one of the things with all of those businesses, Rodri, that are involved with us on the the Leveling Up goals that we're we're really keen to see as many of them as possible focus on diversity from that perspective you know and I think a lot of them are more I think they're much more conscious of healthcare issues in relation to their employees generally and a wider community for obvious reasons in many respects but I think the pandemic has brought into sharp relief some of those challenges that people face and that communities face and I think employers will look much more strategically, if I can put it like that, at the role they play. I personally think both on, I guess, frontline healthcare, um, like prevent preventative healthcare. So how they can have great workplaces that people actually love and you know, doesn't sort of grind them down. But then yeah, how they can help be a pathway for people to to improve their health by actually fundamentally being able to get back into work and, and have a sort of sustainable contribution that they can make is really, really interesting. Um, so, Rodri, for you, obviously, you're Managing Director of Reading Partnership, really passionate about obviously what you're doing and, and why it matters. But in a sense, why, why, what's behind that for you? Tell us a little bit about your journey and why you care about this all so much be doing anything i suppose
1: <laughs> yeah of course so i uh, you know unsurprising given my name and my accent i uh grew up in, in uh, wales perhaps yeah in uh, south wales and a sort of former you know pretty small former mining um community you know which really suffered from um unemployment and you know sort of I, you know, I was lucky because you know, within my family, there was a really strong focus on on education, which came down from my grandparents, principally driven by absolute determination to avoid um, any of their children ending up, you know, working in, in the colliery um, at the time. Um, so, you know, I... I didn't quite expect uh, to, to be doing uh, this role, but I've worked with Reading Partnership now for 13 years in, in different roles. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, I'm able to talk to frontline staff about is, um, you know, when we're working with people, we need to, we need to be able to work with people um, as though, you know, providing a service um, that we would be proud to provide if it was one of our family members. And I think being able to talk... Um, about, you know, my own family, some, you know, who've suffered from long-term unemployment um, and some of the barriers of, you know, living in deprived communities where, you know, there just aren't many jobs. Um, to go around, I think means that, you know, we, we have a strong focus um, within the company on on delivering a high quality service um, to the people that come through our door um, and making sure we do the, the best for them. But yeah, it's, you know, I sort of took over as managing director a couple of years ago. So, you know, I would never have expected at the time to have had to go through a global pandemic. So <laughs> it's definitely been a, a pretty steep learning curve. <laughs>
0: And so if you were looking back earlier in your career, or maybe even, you know, young Rodri in South Wales growing up, what would your advice be to, to your younger self, um, you know, all those years ago?
1: Um, I think, you yeah, know, probably it, it would be to focus on um, worrying about the things that matter. So, you know, now I've got much better at being able to say, well, you know, these, these problems, um, are going to be resolved, and you don't need to exert, you know, massive amounts of energy um, worrying about them, um, and instead try to focus on what are the kind of key, longer term, important concerns uh, are worrying, and, and also opportunities are. Um, I think it's really easy to just get bogged down in in day to day issues, and you know, certainly in my role now, it's it's about trying to sort of um, be ahead of of where the business is. So that we are kind of making those right longer term um, decisions and trying to anticipate where where we need to be um, in order to respond to the needs of both our participants and also um, our government commissioners as well.
0: Yeah, my, it's, it's interesting you say all that my, my sense was always try not to worry about things that are completely out of your control, focus on the stuff you can have an impact on and, you know, try and do your best on that, really. Mm-hmm. Right. Next question, then, would be best piece of advice you've ever received.
1: That's a very good question. Um, I'd say the sort of one thing that stuck with me, um, you know, going through uh, sort of my education is often you come across quite sort of noisy people. um, (laughs) I've come across
0: lots of noisy people. I I
1: can imagine. Yeah. One of the pieces of advice that sort of stuck with me really is that empty ship makes the most noise. Um, and it's been quite—it's quite a useful phrase that occasionally pops in, into your head um, when you realise that actually it's you know it's not it's not appropriate just to listen to the you know the loudest person, but to actually um, try to establish what an overall consensus is, and that's really important in my in my current role in terms of you know responding to what our our staff want, um, because you know it's very easy to just take you know the most. Uh, vociferous people but going back out and actually uh, getting opinions from a wider range of people has been um, pretty important and i think part of you know why why we've been successful as, as a company
0: was there someone who sort of gave you that advice in a moment when it really crystallized for you
1: yeah, so, you know, I, originally I started, uh, when I left university, I started working in uh, politics, so uh, probably s- similar to <laughs> my experience, uh, Justine. You know, Everyone kind
0: of, makes mistakes, <laughs> Rodri, not you? You've got <laughs> yeah. your life back on track.
1: <laughs> you, uh, you do come across some noisy people in, in, in that world who uh, might uh, not always, uh, might have strong opinions, but not, might not always be right.
0: So next, next, final two questions, Rodri. Proudest career moment?
1: It'd probably be in the last sort of year. Um, sort of obviously, unemployment massively increased, and the government asked us to set up a kind of emergency program called JETs to deal with um, unemployment. We did it in rap- absolutely rapid mobilisation. We never thought it'd be possible um, in a in normal environment, and um, we've got sort of, um, as it stands, over fifty thousand people. Um, through that programme, you know, an extra three, four hundred join every day at the moment. Um, And, you know, we're seeing now the real results of that. And I think that the, you know, the work that the the team has done um, with me to kind of get that programme up and running and delivering a really good service um, is something that, you know, both myself and and the organisation is really proud of, Um, just because we never, you know, would have thought in a normal world that we could have done that at such speed. Um, with such high volume of people coming through it.
0: Brilliant stuff. And then finally, favourite book, favourite movie? Uh,
1: favourite book is probably anything by John O'Carri. Um, mm. That's kind of the go-to place. Um, I'm not particularly good on films. I, I tend to only watch a film once. Uh, I, I, find, <laughs> I find once I know what the ending is that I don't particularly uh, have much <laughs> <laughs> maintained with it.
0: Fair enough. John lacarry there you go. Well, look, Rodri, it's been absolutely fab having you on the podcast. Really good to hear about everything that Reading Partnership's doing and brilliant to be working for you on the levelling up goals and all of that work too. So thank you so much for, for doing the podcast today.
1: Cool. Thanks, Jesse.